Hello, witches and wanderers. My name is Missa. And my name is Katie, and welcome to the Baby Witch Podcast. And we're back. Hello, Katie. Hey, Missa. How are you doing? I'm great. It's been about, I don't know, five minutes since we recorded the last episode. <laughs> I know, right? Oof. Anyway. Um, yeah, so this is our follow-up to our last episode on herbalism beginnings. Um, and yeah, ne- now we're going to get into how to use herbs in your practice or to consume them. Also some good beginner herbs. And yeah, let's just get into it. Yes. Um, so the easiest and maybe most beneficial way to use herbs uh, is by making tea. Yeah, my teacher, Tanya Rachley, she's the uh, druidic Irish herbalist who I have taken a few courses from or a few standalone classes from. Um, And I do wildly respect her and I hope someone one day I can afford to go to Ireland with her and do an extensive herb training that way. That's the dream. Um, But uh, Tanya Reachley, if you take one of her classes, she talks about tea. You know, these are herbs that our ancestors were drinking. And when you prepare them in a tree or in a tea, it's very potent ancestor and spiritual work because you are basically completing a ritual that our ancestors have been doing for thousands of years. Um, Yes. Yeah. And I I love tea. And and again, that's kind of, I talked in the last episode about that's how that's my area of, of herbalism that I'm working with right now. Um, Making tea, loose leaf teas is really to me a ritual in a cup. The last new moon that we had, that was the whole ritual that I did. I have some new moon tea that I, um, I didn't make that one myself, actually. That was from a company that sadly no longer exists. Um, but she made, she had a new moon tea blend that she harvested herself and that she created. Uh, I talked about doing the, the, you know, witching events and, and things like that. That's how I got this tea. And so I, you know, I steep the tea myself, boil the water. Uh, and then I, I say whatever I need to say just while sipping that cup of tea and thinking about what I need to think about. And that in can be, is a lot of my rituals, especially my moon rituals. Sometimes even my Sabbaths is just sitting there and having a cup of tea and reflecting. Um, mm-hmm. And your ritual um, you know, whatever you're doing, if it's a new moon, a full moon, um, if it's a Sabbath, if it's any kind of ritual, it doesn't have to be lunar or solar based. Whatever herbs you choose, a lot of times are based on what you need for that ritual. And that's mm-hmm. why herbalism is so important to know what you need for that specific ritual. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, you know, just a basic um tea ritual you can do and it's almost a practice in mindfulness and intentionality but it's just really simple you can have a pre-made tea blend or you can include mixing your own tea blend which we're going to talk about in a second as part of this a really basic 
tea making process or tea ritual is for you to just mindfully sit, sit with the kettle while it's boiling, um, sit. And if you don't, I'm sorry, Americans, but I know that it's like our national pastime to microwave hot water. Please don't do that for this. Like <laughs> there's electric kettles. You don't have to have a kettle on the stove. There's such a thing as electric kettles. Just buy an electric kettle, please. For the love of goodness, for the love of the goddess, just buy an electric kettle. Um, but just sit with the water while it's boiling, you know, the best way to get the most nutrients and herbal benefits is to pour the cup of tea over, or pour the water over the herbs when it's right off the boil. Um, so, uh, you know, intentionally sit with the kettle, pour it once as soon as it's boiling, um, and then just sit with the herbs. You want to let them steep for about five minutes, um, maybe 10 minutes if it's a tea that, uh, isn't as potent. Um, and then just intentionally drink it and you can have whatever thoughts you want. I know in, um, light magic for dark times, there's, a I forget the name of the ritual, but there is a ritual where basically all you do is you sit and you drink tea that has a, I think a rose quartz crystal in it, which that's another thing you can do. You can put, um, water solute or, Crystals that are safe to put in water, you can put them in your tea and maybe get some of the essence of that crystal in your tea. Um, but yeah, it's just, there's a lot. Yeah, tea is pretty great. That's pretty much my summary of why you should be working with herbs. Tea is great. Um, yes. Uh, and there's other ways like, yes, there is your ritual cup of tea or just like, you know, drinking a cup of tea while you can, but uh, one thing that Tanya actually recommends is making like a overnight, um, like an overnight infusion of the herbs that gets more of the herbal benefits and vitamins and minerals. Like nettle is an example. It has a lot of natural vitamins and minerals in it, and it's an overall body tonic. I actually didn't include it in the list at the end of this episode of uh, good beginner herbs, but that really should have been on the list. Nettle, I highly recommend because it just has so many benefits and it's just like, you know, it's like taking a multivitamin. Like there's not really a reason why you shouldn't take nettle or drink nettle. Um, but yeah, so, you know, drinking just a single cup of tea is good, but if you, you know, make a larger batch, I think you, um, triple or quadruple the amount of tea, tea you use and you, uh, I think you want to make like a big pint jar of tea basically. And then you soak it overnight and then you can drink it throughout the, throughout the day, the next day. Like, you know, people who carry around gigantic, you know, things of water, you can become that person with tea. Um, <laughs> but it's a good way to get a lot more of the herbal benefits that you're trying to get from these plants. Um, yeah. So, and yeah. And also like I have some cold brew iced tea systems and those are pretty great, especially in the summer. You can just like make whatever iced tea fits your fancy. So yeah. Tea doesn't just have to be a hot cup of tea. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's I'm like already ready for the warm weather and like thinking about all of these great teas that I have that I can brew ahead of time and stick in the fridge and just have ready to go whenever I want them. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so 
the way, so now that you know what you can do with teas, of course you can buy your pre-bought mixes. Miss has talked about a bunch of different uh, loose leaf tea blends you can get. I know Ritual Craft has some. I know that just tea blends are a very common commodity that you can get at most witch stores. Um, I I will say Ritual Craft has a mercury retrograde tea that is my jam. Like, (laughs) yeah. I am drinking a cup of that a day during Mercury Retrograde. It is amazing that I have any left. Mm-hmm. It's pretty great. They also have um, a Unbreak My Heart tea, which I found very helpful for my PTSD and my PTSD-centered work, um, which has been pretty good. It's good for, like, heart heart space healing and all that stuff. Um, and. And getting the pre-made tea sometimes lets you know what flavors you like, um, how you feel that that interaction of herbs has worked for you. Um, Or even, you know, if you're not quite sure what the magical property of an herb is and you get a tea, um, you know, like a, a heartbreak tea or something like that, and you look into it and you go, oh, okay, well, here's what's in here. Here's you know, let me look up these herbs. Oh, these would be really good for this other type of tea that I want to make. Now I can start making my own teas. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because, you you know, you might be looking into different herbs and you might go, oh, well, these three ingredients are really good, you know, for this ritual that I want to do or for this thing that I need. Uh, and then you mix them all together and they taste terrible together. So um, I've certainly had teas like that, you know, that other people made that it's like, it's supposed to be for something. And I put it in my mouth and I went, Oh, nope. These herbs are not supposed to go together. Even if magically they are, my taste buds said no. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so once you have that kind of knowledge, actually, I would almost recommend when you want to start mixing your own herbs. So there's a couple ways you can do this. Like if you go into books, like, uh, Gabriela Herstic was the first tea recipe that I ever followed. She has an anti-anxiety tea in her book, How to Be a Modern Witch. Um, That's not the right name, Inner Witch, in her book, Inner Witch. Um, Did I do it right that time, Missa? You did. I'm so proud of you. I'm I'm not going to tell you ever again if you mess it up, by the way. Um, Our listeners should know by now that Katie has the British version of the book. And for some reason, she always calls the book the... English name of the Spanish and Italian versions of the book. <laughs> but we love Gabriela Herstic and just get her first book and all of her other books too. <laughs> yes. So anyway, this book, um, it has a very basic tea recipe. Um, and that's the first one I followed. And that's a great way to teach yourself is to find other recipes. Um, or like in Tanya's classes, she always gives us a tea recipe. The main type of class I've taken with her is she does... Um, herbal courses for the cross quarter days, the Celtic cross quarter days. Um, I still need to take the Beltane one, but like I was going to take it last year and then COVID happened. So maybe, maybe sometime soon I will be taking a Beltane. Maybe not soon, maybe in a a year I'll be taking (laughs) a Beltane uh, herbalism course, but it's basically the same. And the recipes are like, you know, it's one part mint, one part rose hips, two parts nettle, half part cinnamon, Fun fact, you can put cinnamon in tea. You just need to get the cinnamon sticks and break them up with a hammer. Anyway, but yeah. So yeah, there's that's the basic way that you make tea recipes is you measure them by parts and you kind of get ratios, right? It's not like 
put in two cups of blah, 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 and a tablespoon of blah, blah, blah. It's more like, you know, it's parts yeah. versus measurements. I um, love and also- Ruibos chai um, because I love chai and I don't like a lot of caffeine. Um, and so when I discovered that they made Ruibos chai, I was like, yes, give it to me all the time. Um, and I ran out of it in bags. So I just, and I had all the spices for chai in my house. And so I was like, well, I'll just buy some loose Ruibos and start making my own chai spices. And so that's what I do now. And I just uh, break up my cinnamon sticks with my mortar and pestle and it's delicious every single time. And I'm just like, mm, this is tea that I made by myself <laughs> and it tastes mm-hmm. as good as any other chai that I've ever had, or maybe even better. Cause I can put as much friggin' black pepper as I want in it. <laughs> I'm so proud of you, my baby herbalist. Um, but seriously with cinnamon, put it in a plastic bag and hit it with a hammer. That's the <laughs> easiest way to break up cinnamon into parts to use for tea. Um, you, you heard it here. I learned it from Tanya, but <laughs> most of you are going to hear it first. Um, but yeah, so once you know that, you can also like take those parts, like you can go to an apothecary and be like, I want a tea that's one part lavender, one part nettle, and one part chamomile. And they will m- measure out the parts. And you can say like, I want five ounces of this. They'll measure out the parts. They'll mix it all together for you. And voila, you have a tea that basically you concocted, but you didn't do the tedious work of measuring and stuff like that. Um, So that's another way you can do that. Um, But yeah, I would really recommend looking up some herbal tea recipes when you're beginning to do this, just so you kind of get the lay of the land. Um, And then once you have that, you can start learning stuff like I've made a few teas just based on herbal combinations that I thought was good, were good. Like I've made my own cold buster tea that I personally think is very effective. And then I've made like last summer I was in, you know, this death spiral of like moving and having health issues and my relationship was falling apart. And like, I was just really needed guidance. Cause I was like, I just don't know what to fucking do with any of these situations. So I made myself an herbal tea that I lovingly refer to as maybe this will unfuck my life tea. (laughs) Um, So yeah, you can just start, you know, once you know enough, you can start mixing your own teas. Um, And then I do want to caution people. I should have mentioned this in the last episode too, um, because I am not good with measurements. I, that's not the way my brain works. And so I recently bought, and it was just a pre-made tea. It was like sleepy time tea or something that I bought for my spouse. Um, but I'm not, I don't think, I'm like, what, what is, you know, three ounces? Three ounces is small, right? Ounces are, are light. Um, but three ounces of herbs is a lot. So if you're thinking like, oh, I want to buy herbs in bulk so I can make tea so I can do all this. So let me get the half pound bag. No, don't get a half pound bag. That's so much. Like I bought three ounces of tea and it was this huge bag. And I was like, Oh, I wasn't, I thought it was going to be like a little tin. Um, so just, you know, if your brain works the way my brain is and you think, uh, three ounces is not a lot. It three ounces of herbs is quite a bit. Herbs are very lightweight. I don't know. You're still going to drink it. I don't think that's a problem. That sounds like the opposite (laughs) of a problem. I don't have room for all this tea. Um, I had to buy like a two-tier Lazy Susan to fit all this tea on my counter. (laughs) 
again, I don't see a problem with anything you're describing. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. And then, you know, yeah, you figured out mixing your own, own herbs is easy and it's a super easy way to connect to the plant medicine and also connect to the plant. Um, and they make great Christmas gifts. Like that's what before the Christmas before COVID, that's what I, I mixed up like a big batch of tea and I put it in little jars and that was like my Christmas gift for the office, that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, like go ham. Like I am very much pro tea. Like everybody should be drinking more tea. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Live your life. Like you're on the good witch, except for with more people of color and queer people. And like, Mm -hmm. I really like the good witch, but it has some big problems. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't watch the good witch. That's why I'm not commenting. I'm trying to skip over. She drinks a lot of tea. And I actually, so I started drinking like a chicory root tea that tastes like coffee um, because she like makes the doctor on it, drink it, drink this chicory root tea all the time. Um, and it's really good and it kind of tastes like coffee. Um, but again, there are no people of color or queer people on that show because it's like a Lifetime or Hallmark or something like that show. And yeah, I think I, I like, I literally think there's been like less than 10 people of color on the show in like five seasons or something (laughs) it's not good um but maybe one day it will get better (laughs) no it won't Mm -hmm. maybe no it won't but drink tea drink tea drink tea anyway so we've talked for 20 minutes just about tea (laughs) (laughs) that's why we started a new episode (laughs) yeah um anyway so Another really commonly talked about thing are tinctures. Now, this is a more advanced herbalism method. Um, it's a more, it's basically like you're distilling the very essence of the herbs. Um, you can also buy pre-made tinctures. I know Ritual Craft sells some. Um, maybe I need to try those because I have hated all of the tinctures I have personally made. Either they go bad because they get bacteria in them or they just, they just taste like straight vodka. And I... Like, like, I don't like want to always have the taste of warm, straight vodka in my mouth. Um, <laughs> Why? Because so, we're in our 30s now and it's no longer socially appropriate. <laughs> no, it just is gross. Like uh, anybody who does shots of vodka, you are a demon. Like I'm not like I'm not fucking around with you. Like, no, no. Anyway, um, but. Yeah, I don't, basically I've tried to make these, I haven't been successful either because I hated the taste or because they got bacteria in them. Um, But basically you soak herbs in a solvent for like three or four weeks and then you have a tincture. I think a really common way to make them is you start um, the, not distilling, distilling isn't the real word, but you start the soaking process, um, you know, at one full moon or at one new moon, and then you finish the process at the next new moon. So it's like 28 days you allow it to soak. Um, and usually you soak these in a high proof alcohol like vodka, or um, I've also heard you can use glycerin. Maybe I just need to try making a tincture with glycerin because I do not like the vodka version. Um, but yeah, it's a more advanced herbalism method. Um, 
I also know fire cider, which comes from Chinese medicine, but it's becoming really popular here in the United States. And I know I like there's a pre-made fire cider. I buy a ritual craft and I actually really like it. It helps me whenever I'm starting to feel like I might be getting cold. Um, but yeah, there's, I think fire cider, it's not quite a tincture because you don't take it by the eyedropper full. You like take a shot of fire cider basically. Um, but yeah, yeah, I like it. Um, buy fire cider. But- there was a like weird lawsuit where some company, and I think it was like an actual like cinnamon cider, like hard cider or something, um, tried to trademark fire cider and all of these like little um, like new agey or, or whatever and and like folks I don't want to say like folk magic but you know traditional medicine or not like Western medicine traditional Chinese <laughs> yeah traditional Chinese medicine yeah. practitioners like this is yeah, yeah but, like so they they sued because they're like yeah. you can't trademark that it doesn't belong to you it existed before you and they won mm-hmm. um, so yes drink fire cider just to say fuck capitalism. <laughs> Mm-hmm, basically. And you can make your own fire cider. That's the point I was getting to. Um, Amy, Amy Koretsky of the Health Fuels Hustle podcast, um, in one of her episodes, she gave her fire cider recipe. She is also trained um, in traditional Chinese medicine, as well as being like, she does body work like acupuncture and cupping and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, like fire cider is great. I think that's the next thing I want to do just because I really like, like, I like the flavor of fire cider, first of all. Um, but I think that might be the next thing I want to try to make. And that might be the closest thing I make for to a tincture for a while, because in all honesty, tea kind of, tea kind of fulfills all my wants and needs, but maybe I'll buy a pre-made tincture and see how I benefit from that. And if I do, I might start thinking about my own tinctures I can make. But in all honesty, I'm mainly underwhelmed by tinctures. So, yeah. Hey, you, that's that's what this podcast is for. We're, we're learning as we go. We're not here to, to be the experts and give you all the answers. Yeah, exactly. And again, like I said, I might have made it wrong. I haven't taken a formal, like in the courses I've taken, like I've learned how to identify plants. I learned about tea making. I've learned about you know, putting herbs in candles and, you know, using herbs in food and stuff like that. But I haven't like had a class where we sat down and made tinctures. So maybe I'm just making them wrong based on the instructions I'm reading off of books or out of books, but also like warm, mildly cinnamony vodka. (laughs) Like it's not, it's not pleasant and I don't enjoy it. So another thing you can do with herbs is you can make a balm. Now, the first step you need to do this is you need to make an herbal oil. So you do this by basically it like, I know weed is not legal everywhere, but also this is like the most mundane example I could think of, but have you ever made weed oil? Um, (laughs) It's basically the same thing where you just like take the plant and you put it like, I think mainly with marijuana, you put it in butter so you can use it in cooking, but you basically take the plant and you put it in a carrier oil. Um, and that can be probably not butter if you're making balm because that would turn rancid and be gross. Um, maybe if you want to like make an herb oil or butter to use in cooking, but don't use it for making a balm. Um, but basically it's the same thing where you like 
put it in almond oil or olive oil, uh, which are carrier oils. You can use a different one if you prefer. Um, but you just put it in a pot with this carrier oil and then you cook it until like the oil will take a green tint, will turn a bit green. Um, or maybe not green if your plant isn't green, but like most of the time the plant's green, so it'll turn green. Um, but yeah, you just boil or cook the plant in this oil until the oil, you can visibly see that it's like changing the oil or um, you can, like the oil smells different, that sort of thing. Um, and then you just strain out the plant and you have this oil. And so then you can mix this oil with beeswax and that's your bomb. And you use it for topical use only. Yes. So, yeah. But I mean, if you want to make weed bomb, that shit works great. Um, I'm going to tell you all this because my mom's company fired her in the middle of a pandemic and I'm mad at them. But she wasn't allowed to use weed while she worked there. But she also had breast cancer while she worked there and had to do radiation. And that weed bomb was great for the radiation burn. So, you know, if it's legal where you are, you could buy a weed bomb. Um, but I don't know. Try your hand at making it. If you have a lot of flour, mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe you're a hemp farmer or that goes into it. <laughs> we did. The yeah. We did legitimately have a friend in college who was from Humboldt County, which if you do not know West Coast weed lore, Humboldt County is where they grow all of the weed in California. Um, and her mom, I guess, would help with harvest season and she'd get paid in like trash bags full of trim. And the trim is what you want to use really yes. to make the, uh, to make weed butter, weed oil. And so... Yeah, she uh, she might have abused the unit the United States Postal Service. No, she didn't. And, uh, mail she used to drive that shit down. You, oh, you don't remember her. her like driving five her. hours to drop off pot brownies? I don't oh, remember yeah, that. that happened. But, that was a true story. But yeah, so that's when you make a balm. Um, there's also a bunch of other ways you can work with plants, uh, just like practically. You can put it in your bath. We've talked about ritual baths. So you can just like sprinkle lavender in your bath and then you have a relaxing bath, that sort of thing. I personally get super annoyed when the bath drains and then you have to clean up all the tiny lavender <laughs> bugs. So you can make a sachet and soak it in the bath instead and then you get all the herbal benefits, but then you don't have the big messy cleanup. Or I've heard some people, they like, put all the herbs in a cloth and then like rubber band the cloth to the faucet. So like the water has to run through the herbs to get into the bathroom. Oh, there you go. Kind of um, like making tea. You're making yourself yeah. a little tea bath. Um, one thing I yes. will say again, cause I make a lot of loose leaf tea. Um, I have a lot of tea strainers and things like, like metal reusable ones, but I do have um, like just tea bags, like empty tea bags. Um, because one, my spouse doesn't really like to use my tea strainers and two, my dog, uh, chewed up one of my tea strainers the other day. I, she really wanted the tea that was left in the strainer and I left it out overnight and I woke up the next morning and my tea strainer was chewed to heck. So <laughs> I've been using mm -hmm. a lot of tea bags, but you can buy those tea bags. Um, I got mine at my little natural food store and they've got like a little drawstring on them, but yeah, fill that up with herbs, pop that in the bath. And uh, you don't have to clean up after your bath because 
there's nothing worse than having a nice relaxing bath and then having to do manual labor afterwards. Yeah, that's like the worst too. And then you're like, no, I'll just leave it for the morning. And then it'll be like, like, say you take a bath on a Friday night and then, you know, you put off showering on Saturday until the afternoon because you had a lazy morning or something. And then you look down and you're like, ah, fuck, I have to clean this bathtub before I can take a shower. Anyway, um, (laughs) but that's just my personal executive (laughs) dysfunction. (laughs) It's a loose episode Um, tonight, y'all. It is. So the next way you can use it are plant brushings. Now, this is actually a technique that uh, Tanya taught me, and it's actually a European-based cleansing method. And I actually recommend this, like, if you want to substitute a smoke cleansing or something. But you basically take a big bundle of the fresh live plant, and you brush it all over your body. And it's great. It cleanses you much in the same way that any other cleansing method would, but it's also a great way to connect the plant. Um, Tanya, in a couple of sessions we've done, Tanya's done like um, mugwort um, plant brushings and yeah, it's a great cleansing method. I don't think we talked about it during our protection episode. Um, we I, I might've mentioned it briefly, but yeah, it's literally just like you take a bunch of plants or a bundle of a plant And then you just like brush down your body um, and you can do it to other people. It actually probably works better if someone brushes you down and then you brush the other person down. Um, And then if you dispose, and then once you do that, you want to dispose of the plant um, like in a field or something so it can return to nature. So, yeah, yeah. I do want to mention with, um, you know, we talked early or in this episode um, or we talked in the last episode about making sure that the plants are safe for ingestion. If you're doing things like a bath or uh, plant brushings, you want to make sure that the plant is not something that's going to irritate your skin. I personally have extremely sensitive skin. There are a lot of plants that if they touch my skin, I will break out in a horrible rash. So I am very Mm -hmm. careful about knowing what I can and cannot put on my skin. Um, That being said, if that's not something that you're already very careful about, you want to double check before you start doing any, you know, baths or or putting plants on your skin, because it could be something that's very irritating. Mm -hmm. Just like when you're starting any new skincare regimen, like test it on your wrist first and see if anything happens. Yeah. Um, So then another way you can do this is with essential oils. I know there is a way that you can make your own essential oils. I do not know enough about how to do that, though. Um, Other than the uh, above method, I told you for making balms. Um, But yeah, you can make your own essential oils. You can also buy essential oils. Those are pretty commonly available at a grocery store. Um, But yeah, you can just... Make your own essential oils uh, or not make your own, but you can just like use essential oils either in the bath or like to just put on your skin or your third eye or something or, um, you know, mix up in a bottle to make a room spray, that sort of thing. It's just another method of working with the plant. Um, and I do want to say a lot of the stuff you find in grocery stores aren't true essential oils they tend to be watered down a bit more um there are higher quality um essential oils either plant essence sorry plant essences and essential oils 
One is the more diluted version that you find in the grocery store. One is the higher concentration that's better and you get more of the plant medicine. I forget which one is which though. So I am deeply sorry. This was, I did not do that research. Um, I will also say um, some people like to do essential oil diffusers. If you have pets, I do not recommend this because many of the essential oils are dangerous for pets if you diffuse them. So be very, very, very mm-hmm. careful. Um, protect your fur babies. I When f- essential oils first started to become a thing and like everyone was diffusing them at their house, and I was like, oh, this is super cool. I want to get into this. And like I even got some um, as a gift. And then I was like looking into buying a diffuser and I like read all of these horror stories and I was like, oh, never mind. I won't be diffusing these in my house because I have a cat mm-hmm. and I do not want to murder the cat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, exactly. And that being said, you also want to be conscious of what you're growing or what you're using because they can be toxic to animals like uh, <sighs> lilies. Lilies are a very common plant to grow or just have in a floral arrangement, but they are toxic to cats. So if you see your cat nibbling on a lily, it's bad. Um, also, for my days working in a flower shop, a lot of like Christmas time plants are toxic. Like they might not be necessarily toxic if you ingest them, but they could kill a small animal. So stuff like poinsettias, mistletoe, holly, that sort of thing. Like just be careful with the plants you have around your home. Yeah. So poinsettia is yeah. not so bad for cats. My cat ate a lot of poinsettia this last year, I, so I had to Google it because my plant, my cat eats a lot of plants. That's why they're all outside. <laughs> you know my. I had a plant that my roommates that was supposed to be toxic for to cats, but then my roommate's cat like ate all of it, like ate it like she could not get <laughs> enough of it and she was fine. And I think it's something like it's mildly toxic. So I almost wonder if it was like alcohol is to humans, where it was like getting her fucked up in a good way, that sort of yeah. thing. Um, but who knows? I'm I'm not a cat. I can't be in her tiny kitty brain. <laughs> Let's yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so, uh, essential oils are, you know, again, really popular. You can get them a lot of places. Um, I, you could try your hand at making them like Katie mentioned, um, you know, with olive oil or, uh, I'm going to say almond oil just cause that's what's in my brain. Um, I say almond, I do, but I think that I one day would like to run for office and if I run for office where I live I have to pronounce it Ammond or they'll never elect me so I I practice with Ammond it's a little Mm -hmm. FYI about me to all of our listeners (laughs) you should run for office um anyway so another way you can use it is in your cooking like you know put I've had actually two people now um who are kind of tentative about witchcraft come to me and be like, I heard about kitchen witchery. I think I'm interested in kitchen witchcraft. And I'm like, yes, yes, you are. Um, but yeah, just use herbs in your cooking. Like rosemary is a very potent magical herb and we use it in so many dishes. Um, and you could really like, if you decide you really like the taste of, I don't know, motherwort. I think motherwort's actually very bitter, but maybe you like bitter things. Um, but maybe you really like the taste of motherwort. And so you decide that you want to put it in your soup. That's a thing you can do. You can totally do that. So you can use in your cooking. There's also some like 
apples are actually very potent in Irish herbalism. So if you use those, um, like you can use herbs or using apples in your cooking could be a form of herbalism, that sort of thing, or cinnamon. Cinnamon's a really common thing. Um, you know, the theme with kitchen witchcraft is that it's less like ritual based and it's more about cooking with intentionality and mindfulness and putting your energy and intention into the thing you're making. Um, the person who asked me about kitchen witchcraft recently, I said the best example of kitchen witchcraft is honestly the book um, Como Agua para Chocolate or Like Water for Chocolate by Laura Esquivel. But yeah, because the main character in that book, she goes through so much, but she cooks throughout it and she talks about like, she has this devastating thing happen and, but she has to cook dinner and she makes like the entire household devastated and sad and weeping openly because she put her sadness into the meal she was cooking or she's like another instance, she's like madly in love. And so she cooks something and then all of a sudden everybody like starts getting really hot and bothered as she's cooking what, uh, as they're eating what she's cooking. And so that's kind of the idea where you just like put your energy and your feelings into whatever you're cooking. And that's basically what kitchen witchcraft is. Yeah. And especially if, you know, if you're new to witchcraft and you're already into cooking, you like to cook, um, that might be a way that you start incorporating witchcraft into your daily practices. But we have a, a, a mutual, um, who, I mean, she doesn't practice witchcraft like we do, but it's, I mean, she's certainly a, a witch in the kitchen. She makes her food so intentionally and with such love and purpose that I don't think you could call it anything other than witchcraft. Yeah. So you can also make floral arrangements. I worked as a florist for years and, you know, there's a lot of intentionality to choosing just the right flowers and then making a bouquet or um, I've made bouquets for some of my friends weddings. And it's been, you know, it's a really cool process to go to the market and pick out the flowers with this person in mind and then put it together with all the intentionality for them to have a beautiful life together and a happy life. And, you know, it's creating a work of art, but it's also doing so with natural, um, with natural products and, yeah, I mean, you don't have to do that with a bouquet. You could do that with something as small as like a corsage or a boutonniere. Or you could do it with, uh, and I'm just thinking of this now. You could probably just like make a boutonniere for like no fucking reason and just wear it for the day. Like you don't have to wear a boutonniere to a fancy event. Um, you probably don't know how to make a boutonniere. I've made probably, <laughs> like I've made boutonnieres in the thousands at this point. So anyway, um, or like, yeah, you can make a floral arrangement. You can make whatever, but yeah, you, choosing the flowers and working with them in intentionality. Um, I have a dahlia on my side and that's partially because the Victorian flower meaning for dahlia is grace through adversity. Um, And yeah, I mean, you can use botanical knowledge. You can use like medicine, like herbal medicine knowledge for the flowers you use in an arrangement. You can use Victorian flower language, that sort of thing. Um, just find the magic wherever yeah, you can. Yeah, and like we said earlier, or maybe it was in the last episode at this point, um, 
a lot of plants do go to flower. And so there will be some, some herbs that, you know, you might not think of as a, a flower, but they, they will flower and be a, a pretty little um, centerpiece for your table or, or to dry and hang over um, your entryway, things like that. Be creative. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Be creative. And then, um, Incense, you can make your own incense. I put this in kind of the miscellaneous part of the podcast because I don't for reasons I've discussed my asthma being one of them being the main reason. Um, But yeah, you can totally like it's basically the same thing as making a tea blend, except you would probably add some sort of resin to it in addition to the herbs and then burn it over like a charcoal briquette that you can buy. Um, but yeah, you can totally make your own incense as well. That's a very accessible way to use herbs. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, one thing that Katie does, um, I know because last time I went to her house, she had friggin' rose water in her fridge. (laughs) You can make, um, like herbal sprays, waters, um, like a floral water, um, for cleaning or just for cleansing, mm-hmm. like, you know, cleansing an area or actually making like a wash. Um, that's an, another great way to use herbs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a really, yeah, that's a great way. And it's super easy to do. You basically just boil the herbs in water. Um, like with roses, it's super easy. You just take the rose petals and boil them in water. It's like a very simple thing to do. And then you strain out the petals and then you store it in the fridge and, yeah, I'm actually thinking I'm going to make a big batch of floral water because I have, I've been running through my stuff and I'm out of a bunch of things. So I think I'm going to make a big batch of my own blend of floral water for the full moon coming up here on the weekend. Um, but yeah, I mean, and yeah, it's, uh, you, you yeah, could it's pick like, a, you know, a cleansing herb or a protective herb, anything like that. Add it to your mop water, wash your floor with it, wipe down your doors with it. Um, with and it, it imbues it with whatever energy that like, that you're intending or that comes with that herb, um, and so it can be really good for your space as well. Um, and especially if you know, again, it's not something that you should be ingesting as long as you don't have dogs that lick your floor like I do. Um, you know, you don't have to worry as much about whether or not you're having. You know, you know that's can be something that you do with herbs that you're not supposed to ingest. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, although you do want to make sure that it's still okay for like, you're n- it's not going to cause problems yeah. if you inhale yeah. them, say, but yeah. Um, and then on that note, you can also use them as non-edible parts of a spell. So we've talked about this before. Um, you can use them as a part of like a dream pillow, a candle dressing, a honey jar, that sort of thing. Just, you know, those toxic plants that you may necessarily not ingest, you can use them in ways that do not necessarily involve yeah, make a witch's them. bottle uh i just it was mm-hmm. it was valentine's day last month so of course i rewatched the love witch and uh there's some witch's bottles in there but that's a great way to use herbs yeah and then some other ways um miss i think you pointed out that you can get the benefits of protection herbs like rosemary, sage, and lavender just by growing them in your garden. I think there's some folklore yeah, about that. Yeah, I mean, you don't necessarily, again, like we were talking about, you know, doing a wash or, or having them over your front door. Um, if you just want to have that energy around you all the time, you know, if you plant them 
<laughs> well, so so some of them is, you know, planting them by the garden gate. I think it's, uh, I, I want to say it's rosemary. I could be wrong on that one. Um, but it, you plant it by the garden gate because the animals don't like the smell and so they leave you alone. But again, it's, you know, these things have folk protection magic, you know, folkloric magic. Um, so just keeping them in your garden is a, is a protection spell in and of itself without having to, call, you know, even if you're not harvesting it and drying it and things like that. Yep. And then you can also work with the spirit of the plant. Um, basically, you meditate to meet the plant. There should be some guided meditations. The one time I've done this, it was as a part of the class. So I had someone guiding me through this and it was very potent. Um, but yeah, basically, you meditate to go on a journey and meet the plant and then you listen to it. Um, and yeah, it's a great way, especially if a certain plant you're really connecting with. It's a great way to get to know it on a deeper level level. Um, it's also kind of freaky because this plant we were meditating with, it ended up being like good for sprains and stuff like that. And I sprained my ankle a million times cause I had no fear <laughs> as a child. Um, and so like my ankle was tingling the entire time we were doing this meditation. And then we came out and the person, it's like this obscure plant that only grows here in Colorado and New Mexico. Um, but we got out and my teacher it was uh, Raven Rose of Moon Medicine. She did this uh, plant spirit meditation class. Um, but yeah, it was this, yeah, it was a plant that helps with sprains and stuff. And my ankle where it's kind of at the point where I've sprained my ankle so much that it just like flops over whenever it feels like it. And yeah, apparently this plant is good for that sort of thing. And it's kind of crazy how, you can feel that in your body. Um, and then a great resource, um, and we're going to be talking about this more because it, came, it comes with an Oracle deck that I really connected with. And we're going to talk more about Oracle decks during our divination episode next month. But the Illustrated Herbiary by Maya Toll, um, it doesn't have much information about the medicinal uses of plants, but it does go into a lot of the like spiritual and magical side of plants. So if you want to learn, cause there's not a whole lot of resources for the spiritual side of these plants, um, that could, that's a great, great resource for you. Um, so yeah, now that we're through all that, let's just go through some plants that are good starter plants for you to work with. Um, I'm going to begin with rose. Um, it's associated with healing and love. It's a very basic herb. Most people don't think of it as an herb, but it is an herb. Um, but it's really commonly found and it can be a good starting point. I have a long history with it because like I worked with my mother for years and years and years, and she was also verbally and mentally abusive. And she would take like her frustrations with work out at me when we were working. So working with flowers has not always been like a beneficial experience for me. And especially like roses are high maintenance, little bitch flowers to work with from a floral standpoint, especially like, We'd be doing these weddings and these picky, bitchy brides would be wanting like bouquets with four dozen roses. Now, I don't know if you've ever made a bouquet, a lot but like it's a lot of roses. And also like eventually at a certain point, the flowers need to be able to curve out because there's like the stem and then like there's the bunch and the flowers need to have some flexibility. Otherwise they start to snap and these 
we'd be making these bouquets and it would be like a four dozen rose bouquet and it had to have four dozen roses. Otherwise like the bride wouldn't pay us. And like, it would just be like rose head after rose head after rose head snapping. So for the longest time, yeah, for the longest time I was like, I love all flowers except roses. Don't give me roses. Um, and, but I've, especially through witchcraft, witchcraft, I've really, readdressed my relationship with rose it's a very beautiful herb and i've come to actually really start to like it again especially because it's a very magical herb um but yeah you can eat it you can drink it in tea it's used like culinarily especially in the middle east um and you can use different components there's the petals of course that's usually what you're going to be using um there's rose hips which is the fruit so you know, if you don't cut off the flower, uh, that will turn into a fruit. And that's what rose hips are. They're very high in vitamin C. And then um, leaves, I believe in Mexican folklore, uh, the leaves are supposed to help, um, like midwives use them to help stop the bleeding after birth, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, they're sacred to Aphrodite and red roses are sacred to the Morrigan, my patron goddess. And then, um, yeah, they're a possible antidepressant, anti-inflammatory, um, and just be careful and try to use organic or homegrown roses. Normal roses aren't grown for consumption, so they have a lot of pesticides on them. And because of like the nature of roses and all the folds and stuff, you can't really ever wash those off. And a lot of roses that you buy at the grocery store, um, the way that they make them stay so fresh is by like they have a ton of preservatives and then they're spritzed with rose smelling spray. Um, so they're, they're really like not mm-hmm. natural at all. Yeah. A lot of commercially grown roses, they're grown for longevity. They're grown to like be grown in Ecuador and then flown to the United States and like sit in a cooler in a flower shop for two yeah. weeks and still be sellable. So they're like not, they don't usually have as good a fragrance as like, the roses you find growing in a garden that sort of thing um or like gart or like garden roses i think are the term for more like heirloom wild roses that have the scent but they are also hella expensive and you are not (laughs) going to be able to find them in a grocery store you're gonna have to go to like a specialty florist to find those um but yeah so the next herb i would recommend is mugwort Um, I'm recommending this one because it's like the stereotypical witchy herb that you hear a lot about. Um, It's associated with divination and protection. And it's just pretty, you know, it's really commonly talked about in the witchcraft community. And it's also super easy to grow. Like this is legitimately an er herb, a weed. It is a weed and it is so easy to grow. When I grew it, like I had to trim it all the time. Otherwise I was going to end up with like a six foot tall bush. Like it is so easy to grow like if you like missa if you don't feel comfortable growing things right. grow mugwort it's mugwort and mint very i'm easy. gonna get on it um <laughs> mm-hmm. mugwort seeds are more difficult to find you might need to get them on etsy but yeah um, you use the leaves and root and then um it's a good digestive and tonic herb in addition to the metaphysical components for it um you do want to avoid it if you're pregnant though and then yeah just spiritually it's associated with artemis um and i read something that said it's lucky to harvest on letha 
Eve. And then you store it for a year and then it's actually used in Europe for an annual smoke cleansing ritual. So yeah, and I've also heard that it's like the white sage of Europe. So if you want a white sage substitute, mugwort might be a great option for you, especially like think of the power of growing your own herb bundle yourself and drying it and then burning it. Like there's a yeah, lot of power ashes, in that. baby. And then the next is lemon balm. You can also hear it called Melissa or sweet Melissa. Um, and it's associated with happiness, good luck, clearing anxiety. Um, and it's also super easy to grow. It's a mint variety. It's an actual lead. Um, so yeah, it's, that's also why I'm recommending it. Not only because it's like you read these correspondence lists of like happiness, good luck, like success, all this stuff and lemon bombs on all of them. So it's just a good herb to get familiar with. Um, but it's also super easy to grow, like way too easy to grow. You're going to end up with so much lemon balm. Um, and it's traditionally known as the apothecary's herb. Like I think the golden dawn or the hermetic order, one of them, um, making a tincture from lemon balm is one of their like things that initiates need to do. Um, but yeah, you want to use the aerial parts again. That's all the parts that are above the soil. Um, and it's a calming herb. It helps reduce anxiety, depression, insomnia, calms nervous system. Studies have been shown that it's, uh, you know, a mild sedative and, uh, there's folklore that it promotes longevity. And I put a question mark next to this because there is some studies that it's good for cold sores, which is weird. I haven't heard that before, but it came up when I was researching and it came up more than once. So I put good it on the know. list. But I yeah. think it's also used in a lot of cough drops. I feel like I've had a lot of lemon balm cough drops for some reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lemon balm, if you've never had it, it's just like, tastes like a vaguely lemony mint kind of. It's, yeah, it, it has a good taste. I like it. It's actually very sweet naturally if you like, if you have a sweet well, tooth. Well, find me up. So, yeah. <laughs> and then next is rosemary. Um, that's associated with cleansing, protection, memory, healing, um, I'm recommending it because it's a grocery store herb. Like even if you can't grow this, you can find it at any, like at most grocery stores, even if it's just like in the dried form. Um, and it's very culturally significant, especially if you come from Europe or Mediterranean culture. And then it also does a lot. And I think we said before that it can stand in for uh, any other herb in a ritual if you don't have that herb. Um, and then... You just want to use the leaves or the nettles and it is somewhat poisonous in large doses. So don't use it in a concentrated form if you're pregnant. So that's like a tincture or a really potent tea. Maybe if you're being really cautious, that sort of thing. Again, like, you know, pregnant women eat rosemary potatoes all the time. So that's not going to cause a problem, but just in high concentrations, you want to avoid it. Um, and then it's good for headaches and circulation. Um, there's been some studies that show that it relieves depression and stress and it's anti-inflammatory. And then hawthorn. Now this is a tree and it's associated with love, hope, protection, fertility, and happiness. Um, the berries, flowers, and leaves are all used medicinally. So I thought it would be a good learning plant if you want to learn about the different properties and components that can come from a single plant. Um, and 
yeah, in folk tales, it's like the stereotypical bridal bouquet, like brides would pick hawthorn blossoms and have that be their bouquet. Um, but the rule was that the bride needed to toss the bouquet because it was bad luck to enter her home with the bouquet. Um, and it's associated with fairy magic. Uh, and then, yeah, again, it's a tree or shrub, so you might not be able to grow it yourself unless you own a home. Um, I know sometimes just walking around, I'll randomly see a hawthorn tree, so you might be able to find it wildly. Again, be 100% certain you know what you're picking, but it's also like all of the apothecaries and stuff we just named will have hawthorn in all of its forms available to you. Um, and then... It's not just good for like love and like energetic heart healing, but it's also like been shown to actually be good for heart, heart health and circulation. And I really like it because it helps with grief and deep sadness and addressing those issues. Yeah. So again, Katie knows a lot more about herbs than I do, but I do have some herbs that I would like to recommend to you as well. Um, not for the same reasons that Katie does. <laughs> so the first one we talked about earlier is mint. Um, mint is good in magic for like money and abundance and wealth and things like that to work with. If that's, you know, we know there's a lot of money magic out there. Um, it's also good for tummy aches. So like, I love having a mint tea. I like a nice peppermint spearmint mix. Um, that's my jam. Um, <laughs> and then, I love marshmallow root. Mm -hmm. um, one, just because the name marshmallow, it's not sweet. It doesn't taste like marshmallows. I have, don't know that I've ever had it by itself. That's one that I like, am looking to purchase, but I haven't found a good place to purchase it by itself in a not like a half pound quantity. Um, but I've had it in a lot of teas, and I really think it adds a lot to the teas. It's good for protection. It's good for cleansing. And then it's also supposed to be good um, for like if coughs, if you've got a cold, things like that. And I do want to say for marshmallow root, um, I've had it. It doesn't have a lot of flavor by itself, but yeah, I do agree with you. It adds a lot to tea blends. I have it in my cold buster tea because it's an expectorant and it's very good for like getting rid of that deep chest cough that you can't seem to get rid of. And it helps soothe your throat and all of that. Um, also, I know for a fact that you can buy marshmallow root on ritual craft so you <laughs> I should probably just go will buy it next time craft. I do my big order anyway. for ritual craft I, I feel so bad though like I buy a lot of my witchcraft stuff from Colorado and I go to Colorado like once every other year but I'm just like spending all my money there because <laughs> because Katie finds the things and then I just buy things from there I mean I'd, I'm not complaining maybe if we maybe if there's a local witch in Northern California who wants to contact Missa and give her some options near her, we could do that. But I, I'm just spreading the word. I'm just trying to help people like yes. give people the resources <laughs> I have. Cause I can't like go through every single major city uh, in the United gosh. States and name a, a Katie, witch store from each this. one. Get I'm deeply sorry. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, and then the last one that I wanted to mention, and this yeah. is just kind of my fun one. It's just like common sage or garden sage, like the sage that you cook with. Um, and instead of white sage, like, I feel like we talk a lot about white sage, you know, we've talked a lot about white sage and how it's, you know, really important to the indigenous community. But if you really, really feel like you need to use sage in your practice, um, common sage is really easy to grow. My mom has like this huge sage plant outside of her house. Um, it's good for abundance. It's good for protection. It's good for cleansing. Um, and also it's good for seasoning your fucking food. Like it tastes really good. Put sage in your shit. I love 
the flavor of sage. So just like, yeah, use, use sage and then, you know, feed me some, some food. Cause it's eight fifteen, and I'm actually mm-hmm. really hungry cause I haven't had dinner yet. <laughs> oh no. Well, yeah. And sage, it's yes. also super yeah. easy to find in the grocery store. So super yeah, easy to sage, find. You can find sage it fresh, you can find it dried. I like a good fresh sage again, because my mom has a giant plant. My mom likes to use a lot of her own herbs. I've eaten a lot of sage in my life. I just, I really like it. And again, it has a lot of witchy um, connotations to it. So again, kitchen witchery is a great place to just, you know, start if you don't know what you're doing and you just kind of want to add witchcraft to your daily life. So um, those are my recommendations. Again, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm new to this practice. If you're new to this practice, let us know, um, you know, what little bit of herbalism that you use or if you're more advanced again let us know like what are your tips and tricks we can always come back to subjects we do have some plans for the future to kind of revisit stuff that we've talked about in the past we're probably going to start doing some mini sods here in the next couple of months um i had like a major family crisis this month and so that's why this episode is so late um but we are hopefully going to get back on track and getting out episodes a little bit more often. Um, or I guess not this episode. I guess this is why the last episode was so late. Um, but, you know, we we are kind of finally at the point of our podcast where we can start revisiting old things that we've talked about and start sharing what you've all shared with us. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm just going to put this out here. But if you all like we could do a Q&A episode if we got enough feedback that like y'all would actually write in and we could have a solid episode like we could do a Q&A episode just like message us and let us know yes. um I, yeah I love that like, idea in I'd fact I mean that, our so. two-year anniversary is still several months away and the world could literally end before then um <laughs> but like you know Send us your cues. Like, if you want your question answered on air, uh, send us your cues. Maybe we'll A them uh, on our two-year anniversary episode. Sorry, that sounded way more, way less dirty in my head than it did when I said it out loud. <laughs> I mean, oh. my mind didn't go there. Anyway, um, I think that's the episode. If you want to email us, email us at babywitchpod at gmail.com. And then you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at baby, which pod. Um, we both kind of manage the Instagram, but I do the DMS for Instagram and I try to be pretty on top of those, like get back to you within a week or two. Um, max sometimes like my life is falling apart and it might take a little bit longer than that. Um, but anyway, yeah, if you check out Instagram might be the best way to get a hold of us or the email. Yes. Katie's life is much more put together than mine is right now. Um, and that's not to say that I'm like a space case or anything. Like I legitimately have some shit going on. Um, but yeah, so Katie will get back to you. If you want to DM on Twitter though, I'll, I check the Twitter. Like I'm on Twitter. Um, I'm on Twitter pretty much. Mm -hmm. If I'm awake, I'm on Twitter. I'm just not necessarily on the pods Twitter, but I will see your DMS. Yes. And also like, (laughs) yeah, Missa, don't be hard on yourself. Like, you've you've been you've been going through it nobody be hard on missa there's like <laughs> legitimate like life altering things happening and this yes. is coming out late but it's fucking coming out so if anybody <laughs> complains you can fight me you can all fight right me. everybody anyway. well uh thank you all for listening to this episode that we thought was going to be one episode and then it ended up being 
two episodes and we were like maybe this the, maybe it'll be two short episodes but no it's it's two normal length kind of long episodes so <laughs> again thank you guys for listening we're we're so happy to That's do this okay. for you all um really like even when like today sucked this week sucked this month has sucked but i was like i want to do this episode because i love our listeners i love our little community so um yeah again yeah just thank you guys or thank you all yeah and yeah thank you all and we love you lots and we hope you take care and so again life is sort of um Mm -hmm. out of control right now so i don't want to promise that we'll you know the exact date that we will get you the next episode but we are trying really hard to get these out for you um so we will talk to you all on the next magical monday bye